five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Showing Podcast. I'm not Sam, your usual host. I'm Lewis, the normal co-host who's normally silent for this bit. Uh, Sam's taking the week off, so I'm taking over his hosting duties and taking over my duties as the person who sits there and listens to this bit is JL. Welcome back. It's good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Hello, one and all. Nice to be back on. Uh, you know, I was on fairly recently as well to cover Venom, Little Baby Carnage, and The Lost Jewel, which we had quite clashing opinions on. I wonder how our opinions are going to fare out today. Yes. Yes. Well, today, what we're doing today, we're doing something slightly different today because normally we do two films or maybe even three films, but today we're only doing one film. We're taking a look at the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Eternals. But then we're not doing another film. We're going to turn our attention to Disney Plus Day because the day we're recording this on, Friday night, is Disney Plus Day. So we're going to be unpacking and discussing some of the stuff that was announced, whether it be posters, teasers, trailers, or logos (laughs) from Disney Plus Day because there was a lot announced uh, for Disney, uh, Marvel. Nothing was announced for Star Wars, annoyingly. But uh, a lot of stuff was announced that we'll be delving into. But before we do delve into anything, as we always do, JL, please tell us what you've been watching recently. I know it's been a while since you've last been on, so everything that you've watched will probably be a bit too much to get into. So just give us like the highlights of what you've been watching since you were last with us. Oh, that's a good good question. I've I completely forgot about this segment again, even though I was on this podcast for what like a year. That's all how long it was. <laughs> Um. Oh God! What have I watched since I was last on? That is a very good question. Just can you just give us like the top I'm, three? I'm you. scrolling through now to see what what's been on since yeah. I. So there's the last jewel. Okay. Uh, I mean, I watched that big that big space film. Um, that thing called Dune. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's been, yeah. Dune since you were last. It's on. quite a small yeah. film. I'm not sure if you heard of it. It's it's yeah. It's quite a low budget indie <laughs> film, like uh, from, from this unknown French director who no one's ever heard of. Um, French cinema with like no no big names in it or anything, and uh, and you know it's, it's not it's not got like Hans Zimmer doing the score or anything. It's got some some other guy. Um, no, that was incredible. Uh, I've seen it twice, I think, um, and. I kind of had a similar thing with Dune as it has with Tenet, where it was like, the first time round, I loved it and I really respected it, but I kind of felt a bit detached. Um, and it required a second viewing to kind of really get into the kind of nitty-gritty and I really appreciate sort of, you know, every aspect of the film beyond just the, you know, the obvious things like the cinematography and, and the score, kind of del- delving a bit more into like, the characters and kind of getting to grips with them like on a more an emotional level and, and mm. more resonating with them as, as characters and as people. And not just part of like a bigger spectacle. Um, so yeah, that was that was really good. Uh, I've seen oh, what else have I seen? Last night in Soho. I'm not sure if I'd seen that. Uh, I think I'd seen that before I came on last time actually, but I've watched that three times now. Uh, I love it every single time. Um, like really, really love it. And one thing I have seen, which I know you were a big fan of, and I was very going in very blind to. I'd heard one thing, you know, the the, the thing that everyone's heard about this film. Uh, and that was Tatan. Um, watched oh, that as part yes. of the Film Fear 
Film 4 uh, Festival at home, Manchester. And that was an experience. It was certainly an experience. And I think my life kind of... I, I, I came out of the cinema saying to you, I feel like my life's changed forever. It, it, it was <laughs> yeah. genuinely an ex, I, it just a truly cinematic, truly experiential piece of cinema that you just kind of you just have to watch. Like you, you might not necessarily vibe with it. You might not necessarily like, you know, the film. Uh, I know some people questionably did not like the film. Mm. Very questionable. Opinion. It is a very weird film. But yeah, it's definitely a film that you have to experience. You have to sort of see it. I, I feel like it's one of those films where it's like, I don't know. It 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 just like I said, I feel like my life changed when I watched that film. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to watch Raw now. I'm still not going to watching it yet, but it's definitely been pushed up my watch list because uh, Titan was absolutely incredible. And unfortunately, um, I put a tweet out this week actually saying basically, you know, what's the film? that you really, really love and think deserves a lot of awards attention this awards season, but you think has little to no chance of getting any nominations at the big awards uh, players. And Tatan was unfortunately mentioned quite a lot amongst people's responses. So yeah. we'll have to wait and see whether the Academy and other big sort of ceremonies sort of give it the the praise it deserves. But yeah, Tatan I really is, hope a, it does. Is, a, is a great film. It is. Is there anything else that you want to mention specifically, or? Uh, I don't. I mean, it was it was, it was Halloween, wasn't it? Recently, so I'd seen like um, mm. I, I tried to watch a couple of horror films here and there, but I was very busy with other things. I, I saw Antlers, which was a, a new horror film produced by Del Toro, um, produ- and directed by Scott Cooper, I believe, is the director. Um, and I also watched the OG Blade in the cinema, and it was the first time I'd ever seen the film, and made me very excited to see the MCU's in interpretation of that character going forward. So, yeah, just a couple, couple of other horror films alongside the likes of Tatan and Last Night in Soho, if you want to call those horror films. Horror light, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Guillermo del Toro, as a slight aside, uh, his his next film, Nightmare Alley, which comes out, I think, in December? Not entirely sure on that, but I think in December. The trailer came out a while ago, and I didn't watch it. I was like... I. I've stopped watching trailers that get released on like Twitter and stuff or YouTube yeah. because I much prefer experiencing them for the first time in the cinema. And re- very recently, I think it was the last time I went to the cinema, the Nightmare Alley trailer came on and it looks so good. It looks so interesting and I really can't wait for it. That That trailer alone, especially in the cinema, has really piqued my interest and I'm very excited to uh, to delve into Guillermo del Toro's version of Nightmare Alley because yeah, it's, it's a, a book. it's a remake, right? Yeah, it's a remake. They, they, it's a book that was written. I think it was written in the thirties, and then they made it into a film in the forties. And now del Toro is doing it, but I, I'm very excited to see where he takes it because it's kind of like this noir thriller, and del Toro being the way that he is. I'm very excited to see what he does. It really jumps up my hype list. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know... the things that I have watched. No, oh, I was sorry. just gonna say. I was just gonna say. I know you mentioned that you hadn't, like, you tried to avoid the trailer. Um, I remember when the trailer came out, and I watched like a little clip of it because I was like, I have no idea what this film is about. I want to get a vague idea of what it's about without spoiling too much. So I, I remember watching it, and I genuinely just watched a trailer and was like, "What the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what's happening." Yeah. 
the trailer is just like one minute and thirty seconds of just it's just chaos. Weird it's just chaos. Dottoro. Yeah, chaos, and it looks great. It looks great. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah. So the, the thing I've not watched as much as you, obviously, because I was on last week. Uh, but the things that I have watched have been very interesting. Uh, I watched King Richard, the Venus Williams and Serena Williams biopic. And I won't get into that too much because I suspect that we're going to do it on the podcast when it comes out properly. Um, but what I will say is that it surprised me quite a lot. I didn't expect to like it in the way that I did and as much as I did. Um, another thing that I watched, I finally got around to watching Ron's Gone Wrong, which you saw quite a while ago. And I only managed to see it a couple of days ago. And I thought it was really good. It was a really charming film and it had great animation. It looked great. A really nice story. Characters, good humour. Um, but since it first came, I think I think it premiered at the London Film Festival and people were talking about it's like Big Hero 6 meets Mitchells versus the Machines. And I watched it and I was like, yeah, it is. It is Big Hero 6 meets Mitchells versus the Machines. And there's nothing wrong with that. But as I was watching the film, I couldn't help but think all of the themes that this is dealing with, Mitchells versus the Machines and Big Hero 6 did better. Because this is a very good film. But it's kind of overshadowed by the films that are so similar to it. One of which came out this year, Mitchells vs. the Machines. It's kind of overshadowed by that. Which it did make me sad because it, if this came out like in a year or if Big Hero 6 and Mitchells vs. the Machines didn't exist, this would be like perfect. It's such a fun film. But the themes that it tackles, like technology being the enemy and family and being different and not fitting in... They, they're handled much better in Big Hero 6 and in Mitchells vs. the Machines, in my opinion, which just made me think, what's the point in watching this when there are films that do this but better? Um, and that's kind of how I felt about it. I know you felt very differently. You, Well, not, maybe not very differently, but you really liked it. I liked it a lot, but I've seen I it twice. say that I loved I've seen it. it twice. I saw it once twice. with friends and... Yeah, I saw it once with friends and once with family. Uh, oh, with yeah, my two young siblings. And the second time round, it's still as funny, it's still as charming, but I feel like the emotional beats really hit a lot harder second time round. First time round, it's so, especially as an adult, I feel like the comedy in the film is, like, a lot of the comedy is actually more geared towards an adult audience, I don't know if I'm stupid, yeah. but, like, some of the early comedy with Ron is just absolutely hilarious. Like, me and my friends were in the cinema together the first time, and we were just laughing for the first 40 minutes, just non-stop, just... We could not stop laughing at the, at the all the the mishaps and calamities and and funny interactions that Ron was having. Yeah, um, Ron is great. Ron is so funny. Yeah, I also did not realize that Olivia Coleman voiced the grandmother in that until the end. I, I like, didn't either. What? I thought exactly the same thing. It's yeah, you... so weird. It does not sound like her at all. Yeah, I see what you mean about like um, Big Hero Six and and. Um... Mitchell's vs. Machines. I've not seen that film yet, actually, yeah. unfortunately. I need to get around to it, but I'm going to do a big little oh, yeah, binge of yeah. animated films towards uh, when, when the Oscars actually are a bit closer. But no, in, in terms of, like, uh, you mentioned about, like, if it had come out, you know, at a different time, whatever. What was the, what were the animated nominations last year besides Soul? Um, Wolfwalkers? Yeah, Wolfwalkers. Uh, I generally and can't remember. I don't remember. Was, was there the, another Pixar one? I was going to say was there another Pixar film, but I genuinely can't, I can't remember, remember what it was. I don't remember either. 
Let me quickly Google it. Exactly. The fact we don't remember them means that, like, one's gone wrong is not going to get in probably this year. I feel like if it was released yeah. last year, it probably would have had maybe a bit more of a chance. Also, why the hell Disney didn't put their branding all over it? Maybe because it was so know, close yeah. to Big Hero 6, they didn't want to, like, push a similar film. And people right, so the of... nominees... Oh, the other one was Onward. Oh, Onward, that was the other yeah, big one. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there was Shaun the Sheep 2. <laughs> right. And then Over the Moon, which was a Netflix. Okay, yeah, so Ron's Gone Wrong would 100% have got in last year, probably. Well, oh, yeah, Ron's Gone Wrong was it, it far would've... better than Shaun the Sheep or Over the Moon. Um. So, yeah, and... Yeah, and even like you look at animated films this year. This is a complete tangent now, so I apologise. <laughs> but even animated films this year, I don't year, know, like, it's fine. Yeah, um, it's such a shame that Ryan the Last Dragon got dumped where it did. I feel like if it was released, oh yeah, at this time of year, it would have been a big awards player. Um, oh yeah, the first still... time that I watched Ryan the Last Dragon, I was like, if that came out six months ago, it would have won the Oscar. I think it's better than Soul Ryan the Last Dragon. It's such a beautifully animated film, Ryan the Last Dragon. Yeah, um, I can't remember if I've seen anything else, and if I have, I apologise, but I think it's my favourite film, animated film of the year so far. Ooh, that is crazy. I can't remember, I've not seen Flea yet, which I know is a lot, on a lot of people's radars. Yeah. And you've not seen Luca either? I've you? not seen Luca, no. Or Mitchell's vs. Machines, so I've not seen a lot of the big yeah. ones, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still a very good film. And it, it, those films have to be very special to beat Raya. I, think, I, I love Raya yeah. Lost Dragon. I do as well, Raya really, really surprised me. Speaking of Disney... Yes. Well, I have two other things that I watched that I briefly oh, want to okay. talk about. Oh, okay. That was a good segue opportunity. Okay. That was that was a great segue. <laughs> and I'm so sorry, but I really want to talk about these two films. <laughs> Are they Disney films? No. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure Disney don't own the company? It's a subsidiary of a conglomerate that's a They a might. In fact, they might, own, they might own a company that makes The Card Counter, which is the other film that I watched. Oh, okay. Um, and The Card Counter was the biggest disappointment of the year so far for me. It really? Was, yeah, it was so incredibly boring. Wow, it that's one of the films. Not, not for me. Wow. It felt like it feels like two stories and two films that are constantly vying for attention and they're constantly fighting for, for the spotlight, and neither of them really deserve it, and neither of them really get a satisfying end. So, and I, I just felt completely detached from it. I couldn't tell you the name of any of the characters in this film. I just, it really, really let me down. It just, it felt so disjointed and just pointless, to be honest. And I don't like calling a film pointless, but it was, it was just pointless. Um, And then the last thing that I watched, I watched today, this evening, in fact, was Clint Eastwood's latest film, Cry Macho, which I have very mixed feelings on because it was very good. Clint Eastwood is a very good director and it's very well directed. And the story is really charming and nice, and the um, the the characters are really good and really interesting. And Clint Eastwood is ninety one now, and he's a he's still somehow he's still a very good director. But he really, it, I think it's time for him to hang up the acting boots, because there are scenes in this film where he, as like a ninety one year old relic of a man, is trying to be a physical threat to young men young burly 30 year old men and it's just not believable he looks like if you pointed a fan at him he'd fall over and we're meant to believe that he is genuinely a threat to these people and you know he can still act 
So give him roles. You know, he does his own, he picks his own roles because he directed this as well. Um, he needs to start picking roles that his age suits. Like, he, he, sorry, but he's too old to play, like, the manly hero anymore. He's past it now. And I think he needs to accept that because at times it did completely take me out of it when this frail old man was fighting with young men and he came out on top. It was like, what? what is going on with this? It's just, it completely took me out of it. But apart from Clint Eastwood being old, it was a magnificent film. It was a slow film, but it's paced really well. Um, and I think it was really, really good. And I very much enjoyed it. And it's a very, very much a slow burn, which I enjoy. Um, so I definitely, I don't recommend The Card Counter, but I definitely recommend Cry Macho. It's a charming little film and the central relationship behind it is great. So yeah, go and see that. Uh, without, without spoilers, is what, what is the, I mean, if you can explain this without spoiling it, then, then sure. Uh, what is Cry Macho even mean? Like, what does that even mean? Um, well, I, the, the macho is the name of one of the character's chickens, but I think it's called Cry Macho because towards the end, Clint Eastwood is talking about, because obviously macho is like strong and it's, you know, yeah. in English we use it to mean like manly or macho man and everything. It's about um, masculinity and about how pointless being so macho is and pretending to be macho so it is because it, it doesn't really get you anywhere. Um, and there's a monologue that Clint Eastwood does towards the end of the film, which is done really, really well, um, where he basically speaks about, you know, all these guys that are really macho and acting all strong all the time. It doesn't get you anywhere. Okay. Um, so that's why it's quite a nice, uh, quite a nice story behind it, really. Um, okay. But yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon is great. And speaking of Disney, <laughs> 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 that segue was too good to waste. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna go back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna undo your good segue because a it was my oh, segue, a it was my segue, and b I just wanted to That's come back true. to Card Counter because uh, oh yeah, Card Counter is one of the films that uh, was mentioned quite consistently actually in that tweet that I put out about uh, films that are going to get overlooked at award season. Really, a lot of people were saying that Card Counter. One person in particular had a really like really nicely worded tweet, and I. I haven't got it up, so I apologise to whoever this is for not giving them credit and not being able to actually read it, you know, verbatim. But they're basically something along the lines of, like, this is a really good, um, like, character-driven, like, wider, like, social study film, like, that has a lot of implications yeah. of, like, I feel like the state of America today. And I, I really I like made, it... it really made me want to watch the film, like, a lot more than I did already. And I, I still yeah. want to see it. I'm not seeing it yet, but I, I'm intrigued. I feel like it could have been that, because like I say, it, it feels like two stories, and one of them is very much that, and then the other one is just a poker film about a guy taking part in poker tournaments. Um, and I have seen a lot of praise for it, a lot of praise. I mean, it, it's Paul Schrader, Scorsese produced it, but it just did not work for me. I thought it was awful, genuinely I mean, awful. The description that person gave on Twitter sounds a lot like the description some people were giving to Stillwater with uh, Matt Damon going, Mercy! <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll that have to true. see if uh, <laughs> if it's any good. But speaking of Disney and Ryan Last Dragon. Yes, yes. Today was Disney Plus Day, which is a, the anniversary of Disney Plus's release. It was released in the US, at least, two years ago today, on the 12th of November, which is the day we're recording this on. 
And to celebrate Disney Plus's second birthday, they announced a whole slew of new things, things that were already confirmed, and they also gave us some logos for things. Not much else <laughs> came out. We, I, I expected some trailers. We didn't get any trailers, really. We got some little teaser bits from, from some of the Marvel stuff, and we got a nice yeah. in-depth scene uh, from Hawkeye. We got, we got that some is true, stuff. we did get a big scene from Hawkeye. We got some interesting stuff, but we didn't get as much as I, I wanted, personally. Um, scrolling through some of the less significant things, uh, we've got a new Ice Age film was announced uh, that's streaming on Disney Plus in January. Oh, is it a film? Uh, there's a, it is a film. I think it's a film, yeah. Ah, oh, I thought it was a series. Okay, that's cool. I, th- I think it might be a series, but I'm pretty sure it's a film. Um, a Baymax show. Speaking of Big Hero 6 from earlier, Baymax show is there. Newer Disney Plus thing. Uh, a Cheaper by the Dozen remake. Have you ever seen Cheaper by the Dozen? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, it was one of my one of my sister's favourite films as kids. So I've seen it a lot of times. And uh, it's really good. So I'm like concerned about a remake of it. Because it's a film that I've seen a lot. It's a film that I love a lot. Um... So I'm excited for that. What are some of the things that have been announced that you are excited for? Let's save Marvel for later on because that was like the big. Oh, I, I'm, ex- I'm ex- so excited it. for the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi featurette that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that got put on Disney Plus. The one minute yes. behind the scenes featurette that has one piece of concept art and and an interview with Ewan McGregor. Uh, that was very insightful. And no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything particularly that really struck me. I think the Baymax show is something I'm excited for, just because I love Big Hero Six. Um, I mean, is it, there's a lot of stuff on there. Obviously, a lot of family stuff. Given it's Disney, there's like a there's a Cars yeah. spin-off show. I mean, someone made a good point. Why why is this? Why is Cars like? Why do these things that keep coming up with from from Cars have to be in Cars? Like there's like there's now like dinosaur cars and. Like oh god yeah all sorts of cars like why does it have to be cars like wh- why can't we just end cars and just do something <laughs> else uh, because yeah. it makes too much money for this early now depressing. we need to do planes and boats and bloody planes. What, boats. what's next I want Bice- to see boats. bicycles yeah. like bicycles <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from the universe push of bikes Pixar's cars bicycles yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else was announced that actually really incredibly excited and looking forward to the Disney Plus original movie, Sneakerella. Oh yeah, that that is going to be a best picture con- uh, contender for sure. <laughs> um, I don't yeah. know why they've made Sneakerella. James Corden like... is going to be in that film probably. Oh god. Oh god, no. Chris Pratt as well might make a cameo voice appearance maybe. Chris Pratt plays the sneakers. Yeah, true. He does. <laughs> but yeah, that's such a weird film. Like, People have been pushing Disney and say like please make more original films and what? they make Sneakerella what's about your stance it, pres- what's your stance on on like reboots and remakes because obviously you mentioned The Chief Brother Dozen I, now you mentioned it I think I might have seen it as a kid like clips when my dad might have watched it yeah. I don't think I've actually properly watched it but they've done like that they've done Chippendale reboot with um, Andy Samberg they've done uh, Enchanted sequel uh a Princess and the Frog spin-off film. Is it a film? Like a bunch of... They announced a bunch of spin-offs and the Princess and the Frog and is a series, but yeah. Remakes and stuff today. Like, what's your stance on that, though? 
like in terms of oh home sweet home alone which came out today as well which has been oh yeah critically and also destroyed yes it has and one of the biggest remakes that has been announced today is they're doing a live action pinocchio the next live action disney remake is pinocchio that was already confirmed though right I don't think it was confirmed, but it was kind of like suspected. I could well, be wrong. Maybe the, it was confirmed. The thing is, though, is they they did a Pinocchio last year, which was Oscar shortlisted or nominated. It was nominated for makeup. It right. was shortlisted for film, I think. Animated right. Film. No, it wasn't animated. It was no, it was live action. Yeah. So that that was that was released last year, and yeah. then we're getting this one with Tom Hanks. Yeah. And then we're getting another one by Del Toro, right? Are we? I swear we're getting a Del Toro Pinocchio film that's not the Disney one. This is what happens when Disney make films that are not copyrighted. Yeah, like, 2022. In the public domain. Pinocchio is an upcoming oh, stop-motion right. animated musical fantasy film directed by T- Del Toro oh. and Mark Gustafsson. So that's, I didn't know that's, about that's that. animated, but yeah. There is, yeah. A, there is another Pinocchio film. Well, that's the thing as well, when all this stuff comes into like... Um, What's it called? Like common usage, like it's like fair use, like, like public any... domain. Yeah, public domain. Like anyone can just use these characters yeah. and stuff. I guess that that's Zootopia. I'm excited for that actually. I really like Zootopia. Oh yeah, that's got a show. Yeah, everything's got a show now. Everything's got a film, and every every I film's know, got yeah. a show, and every show's got a film. And but yeah, about the the reboots and everything, and the sequels and and remakes and everything. I am like I'm not bothered about sequels. Sequels are fine. Like extend a story cool go for it i'm less enthusiastic about reboots or remakes like cheaper by the dozen why why remake cheaper by the dozen just come up with a new story like if it it literally is just recycling old things like give us something new but the ones that i'm most cynical about are the live action remakes of the animated films like the snow white little mermaid cinderella um beauty and the beast dumbo And now Pinocchio. Those are the Mulan. ones I hate the most. Mulan, yeah. Those are the ones I hate the most. Just please stop making. The thing as well, though, is a lot films. of these reboots aren't actually proper reboots. They're like sequels. They're like it's yeah. like it's like they want to take like a soft reboot where it's like, oh, we know these these we know these like these millennials who grew up with these shows and films when they were younger. So we want to appeal to them. So we're going to use the same characters, but also we need to reboot it completely and understand so that younger audiences now can can follow it. It's like with the yeah. game changers that they did on Disney Plus um, for Mighty Ducks. And my dad watched that and I was watching it and I was like, a kid could watch this and have no idea about Mighty Ducks and they would still understand everything that's going on. And yet it caters so well to like those older fans who love the original films. So hmm. and that's the thing with the reboots is that a lot, a lot of the time the reboots aren't even reboots they're just like very soft sequels and it's like yeah yeah we, i mean yeah. hocus pocus 2 also got announced hocus pocus 2 yeah that is something that i am looking forward to because i do love hocus pocus 1 and um i am really excited i don't know how they're going to bring back the sanderson sisters properly like i hope it works well um but yeah i'm excited for that spiderwick chronicles also got rebooted that um What's his name? The kid from that's who's a in series, Chocolate right? Factory as well. Yeah, that's a series. I think. Yeah. Um, but the kid from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is in it. Uh, is Wait. in the original one, and he's, oh, yeah, yeah. he's been rebooted. Yeah. He's in the original. Um, yeah. yeah, I never saw the original. Did you ever see the originals? I think I've seen bits of it when I was younger. Um, 
I don't think I've ever. I'd, I, I must have watched it at one point. Yeah, but then obviously, like I, I said ne- before, I never Dis- got around to it. Yeah, like I said before, Disney owns so much now that it's like, you know, I asked about oh, have any you made a joke about before about any, any of the two films you're talking about Disney, but we're literally getting a Will Smith and Chris Hemsworth National Geographic series, like two series. Yeah, that's like, Disney. That is the pulling power that Disney have. They can literally just get Will Smith to do Welcome to Earth. Uh, like or Chris Hemsworth doing some I don't know what it is it looks like some physical health yeah documentary some kind of health thing probably yeah (laughs) High School Musical will have Frozen songs in it there's all this collaboration even Ron's Gone Wrong had a bunch of Disney uh, yes I noticed that they had Avengers the robots had Avengers skins and Star Wars skins yeah, Darth and, Vader and, and, and Stormtroopers, yeah. And V-Bucks, probably. And Fortnite. Yes. No. Oh, God. It is depressing. But it's also fun. But it's the thing, is like, like... It's, it's so easy to be cynical, but at the same time, there's so many things I'm like, I'm so excited to see, like, oh, this 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 thing has this thing in it, or, like, the you know, these things have yeah. this, this little kind of... I am... I am a sucker for that kind of thing. Like, people hated it, but I really enjoyed it in Free Guy when he got a lightsaber out at the end. And Captain America's shield. I thought that was great, but people were like, oh my god, Disney the thing... everything, so they just put Marvel stuff in. No, but the thing, the, the thing with Free Guy is, is the fact that the best two moments of the film were, were Easter egg cameos from other franchises. <laughs> Says everything you need yeah, to know true. about that film. Um, yeah. What else was oh there was Warwick Davis as well um, Willow the film oh yeah Willow is getting a series I don't know anything about that I've never seen it's it it's on my film watches on Letterboxd which is like ridiculously long so I'm not surprised everything is on your watch list it's on there so I must have seen Willow at some point and I thought oh this looks interesting so yeah I know what Willow is but I've never seen it but yeah it's never interested me enough to actually go and watch it but maybe I will because now they're making a show of it and the um, Predator prequel which might actually make me yes. want to watch the Predator films. If not, I've never seen them, so it does look quite good, doesn't it? The Predator prequel, like pictures and stuff. Yeah, the little uh, teaser first look images look really interesting. Yeah, yeah. We're all also announced was the, I say announced. We already knew that this was coming, but the Disenchanted film got a new logo that, which is a sequel to Enchanted. <laughs> it got a logo, and it was also announced for fall twenty twenty two, so autumn. 2022 uh we got a new poster for diary of a wimpy kid the animated film that comes out on the 3rd of december on disney plus and then uh, a sequel was announced to it which is the based on the second book diary of a wimpy kid roderick rules which i'm sure will be fun probably and then i read about this a while ago and you mentioned it just before we started um recording peter jackson of lord of the rings and the hobbit fame has made a Beatles documentary called The Beatles Get Back. Excuse me. And it's a three-part event beginning on the November, beginning on the 25th of November on Disney+. And I, I was under the impression, because I read about this a long time ago, so my memory may fail me, but and I may have just got this wrong. But I think this was a huge project for Peter Jackson, and he had to go through hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of footage from The Beatles that archives that's never been seen and compile it all into this uh, three-part documentary series and i'm not a massive fan of the beatles but i do love a good documentary 
Um, so I am very intrigued by that. How do you feel about that? Do you are you a fan of the Beatles? Will you be enthusiastically watching it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the Beatles music. Um, it's kind of reminds me a bit of Sparks Brothers. Like I've not seen that yet, but from what I have yeah. heard and seen of it, um, you know, a big Hollywood, very, what's the word like? Um, a director of a very clear style and approach to filmmaking, kind of taking on a documentary about, you know, a, a musical icon. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I'll watch it. I'm intrigued. I don't know necessarily a lot about the Beatles. Um, I'm, yeah, you, when you said the titles, I'll get back. I was like, wait, how is that supposed to be Fred? Is it supposed to be get back, like go away? Or is it supposed to be like get back, like go back in time? <laughs> or is it supposed to be like, I don't know. How are you, how are you supposed to read yeah, that true. title? It, I feel like there's a Beatles song called Get Back or something. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Is. I see. I'm, 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 not a, I'm a fraudulent fan Beatles. Beatles fan. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of the Beatles, and I live in Liverpool as well, which has kind of made me resent them because it's everywhere. Like there are pieces of Beatles graffiti everywhere, and I live like two minutes away from Penny Lane as well. So it's it's just it's made me hate them even more <laughs> because I can't <laughs> escape them. Like even our bus passes are called Walrus Cards because the Beatles did something with walruses. Um, I don't know what they did because I'm not a Beatles fan, and living in Liverpool has just made me want to listen and enjoy them even less. <laughs> so, are, are you not going to watch the Peter Jackson trilogy, the new trilogy, the epic? You know, not following on from Lord of <laughs> the, the Rings, the Beatles cinematic universe. Yeah, following on from Lord of the Rings and following on from the Hobbit. He's now come yeah. back with a new trilogy. I might. <laughs> Where were the Eagles? I might watch it so that I can. Where are the Eagles? The Eagles should have saved them. Should have saved the Beatles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I might, I'll probably watch it at some point, and you know, I'll be able to like look at stuff and say like, "Oh, I've been there. Oh, that's like two minutes away from my house." Stuff like that. It'll be fun to watch, I suppose. You can go through it and see like, "Oh, that's where they filmed the Batman." Yeah, <laughs> that that's a that's a Wilco's now. <laughs> <laughs> that shop's vacant now. Yeah. <laughs> um. What else has been announced? Oh, there's a an original movie Disney Plus called Better Nate Than Never. Better Nate Than Ever. That's a that's a mouthful. Um, it stars Ruby Wood as Nate. Uh, Lisa Kudrow is in it, and Joshua Bassett is in it. Um, and that's all the information we have about that. I think. Right. That looks fun. Nate than ever. Better Nate than ever. I, I don't think I even think heard about that. The protagonist is called Nate. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I even heard about that. Yeah. Well, that's something that was announced. Um, I don't think there's anything else really interesting. Sneakerella, we mentioned Sneakerella, which is kind of like a uh, modern take on Cinderella. It's about this kid who lives in, I think it's New York, and uh, he's a his dream is to be a sneaker designer, I suppose. And um, yeah, you know, what? I watched a trailer for that, and I actually think he looks. It doesn't look amazing, but I think some of the some of the visuals and some of the stuff looks pretty interesting. I I, I will watch it. I've, I've still not watched uh, yeah, the I'll Amazons. Watch yeah, I've still not watched the Amazon Cinderella, and yeah. uh, you know I'm not necessarily rushed to watch that either. But oh, better than better Nate than ever. Apparently, is based on a book about someone who wants to be on Broadway. Oh right, that sounds that sounds interesting. I suppose. So uh, another thing that got announced is. And this is another mouth mouthful. It's called The Proud Family Louder and Prouder. Um, 
I don't know what that's about, but it's an original series and it starts streaming on February 2022 and it has a very big cast. It features ooh, it features people like Lizzo and Lil Nas X, yeah. which is unusual for Disney to choose people like Lizzo and Lil Nas X, but oh, oh, I think Tiffany I f- Haddish is in it. I Leslie had a feeling Virginia. it was. It's it's based on an old cartoon. Oh, is it? There's a there's a cartoon from 2001 that had three seasons called The Proud Family. I figured oh, cool. I figured there was because it says like louder and prouder. I figured it was like a spin-off of something. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's Oh, that's interesting. It's about a teenager blah 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 tries to gain independence and faces typical teenage issues in high school. That sounds very very fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, real nice X and Lizzo in it. So, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, the the big Star Wars announcement, which was not Kenobi, was a Star Wars documentary uh, called "Under the Helmet: The Legacy of Boba Fett," uh, which is an original original documentary, which is now streaming. Oh, it's now available. It's yeah, already yeah, yeah. that on was Disney one of the that, that was one of the things that came out today. Oh right, cool. I didn't know that. I thought we'd have to wait till like January for that. It's out now. Oh, I was supposed to mention. I completely forgot about this. And I forgot to even talk to you about it. Um, Take it away. It's a Disney related thing, but it's not from Disney Plus Day. So this is a rumor. Take it with a bit of salt. Um, but it's come from you know fairly reliable like online sources and stuff that have done a lot of coverage of Disney and Marvel and so on in the past. Um, so there's a Kevin Feige produced. Star Wars film that's being made. Yes. And did you hear about this? Uh, I think so. So there's rumours that Chloe Zhao is going to direct it. Yeah. What I was like, yes, yes, yes. That 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 does intrigue me a lot. I did see it. Um, the Hollywood Reporter has reported that she is not attached to the project. Um. Boo. But again, this is all just rumours, I don't know. But I, I know a lot of people get kind of cynical about indie directors doing massive blockbusters. Personally, I think it's fun. I think it's great to see indie directors work in these huge sandboxes um, of that is blockbusters like Marvel and Star Wars. I'm really excited um, to see what she'd bring to, to Star Wars. As you know, I'm a massive fan of Chloe Zhao. Um, and I think the issue that um well no it's not an issue but i think the difference between marvel and star wars is that star wars gives people a lot more creative freedom like if you look at the amount of creative freedom that ryan johnson had on the last jedi like that is undeniably his film like he did everything on that and i think if they gave chloe Zhao the same amount of freedom that they gave ryan johnson I think she could do something that's genuinely quite special with the Star Wars universe, and I'm very, very excited for it. I hope it turns out to be yeah. true, um, but I hope she gets around to doing that Dracula film before any of this, like Eternals 2. Dracula? Or, um, yeah, she's doing a Dracula film. Why you don't know the, about that? Is that in the Universal world? It's in. I think it's technically part of the MonsterVerse, but it's kind of like standalone at the same time it's she okay. it's futuristic and western take on dracula which is very intriguing to me because dracula like gothic horror oh. so to make that futuristic and western very very cool yeah 
I know that Lee Winnell dropped out of uh, Wolfman with uh, Ryan Gosling, which is kind of sad. But I think he's oh, yeah. doing a sequel to Invisible Man. I, I'm pretty sure that's the thing. Mm. Also, cool. speaking of Chloe Zhao and Disney projects, <laughs> 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 these segues today, I swear. I've been holding on to that for like a minute now. I know, that is good. But it is premature because we need to talk about other Marvel stuff oh, that got announced today. Yeah, true. Okay, hold that segue again hold that second we'll come back to the chloe Zhao in a minute (laughs) uh marvel announced a whole slew of stuff um i've said slew of stuff twice now and that feels yeah i i know it's the first time you said that i was like that's a bit of a strange word to use like i've not heard that one in a while yeah well i don't know it just felt weird that anyway (laughs) marvel have announced a lot of stuff some of it we knew about, some of it was confirmed, some of it was rumoured and has now been confirmed. Others have come completely out of the blue. Some of the things that come, came completely out of the blue that are massively interesting is the 90s animated X-Men show is getting rebooted, well not rebooted, well yeah, re- it's being booted up again and continued in a Disney Plus original animated series called X-Men 97, which features the same cast and characters, and I think the same directors as well as the original 90s cartoon, which is really, really cool. Uh, Some of the other things that had been rumoured but not confirmed, I think What If Season 2 has only just been confirmed. I know it was pretty much confirmed Uh, before today. I think that had already been confirmed, I'm pretty sure. Oh, right, okay. Well, never mind then. Uh, this was uh, Echo yeah. has been announced, which apparently was rumoured. I didn't know that it was rumoured, but it's been announced and confirmed that it's coming. Um, Echo is a character that might show up in Hawkeye, or will show up in Hawkeye, sorry. Uh, according to you, I don't know anything about Echo. Um, yeah, Echo. Uh, another big thing that I am, probably the thing I'm most excited excited for, is Spider-Man Freshman Year, which is... Uh, an animated Spider-Man show on Disney Plus that's coming soon. It doesn't say when it's coming, but it's coming soon. And uh, it's tracking the MCU's Spider-Man origin story, which is cool because we don't really need a Spider-Man origin story. Everyone knows that it's the kid who gets bit by a spider, Uncle Ben dies and all that. We don't need to see it again. So putting it in animated form is really nice because it is great to see because it leads to like a lot more attachment to the character. character. Um, even if it's less necessary. So putting it in an animated show, which apparently will embrace the its comic book roots, which has led several people to believe that it will be animated in kind of Jack Kirby 2D style animation, which if it is, that's very exciting. Um, quickly to, to get off a few of the other things that have been announced before we actually start talking about it, just to get all this out of the way. Ironheart has got a logo. Uh, Agatha House of Harkness was very heavily rumoured and pretty much confirmed but has now been officially confirmed and we have a logo Marvel Zombies, an animated show has been announced and Secret Invasion has got a new logo Um, I think that's it for the Marvel stuff Moon Knight Uh, also, we got a sneak peek at Moonlight. Moon Knight She-Hulk as well got a logo She-Hulk got a new logo, Ms. Marvel got a new logo Uh, and we got a look at some of these things, so now that that's all the stuff that Marvel have announced how are you feeling about this slew of Marvel and <laughs> slew. <laughs> this slew. I, I'm so excited. Yeah. Like you mentioned we mentioned before about stuff that like cameos and things appearing in other franchises and stuff. 
But I I am so excited to see, you know, Echo in Hawkeye and how she transitions into her own show. Miss Marvel getting a show and then, you know, being in the Marvels. You know, we've got we're also gonna have Yelena from Black Widow uh appearing, you know, in Hawkeye probably. Um and then, you know, Ironheart, who I think is gonna be in the Armor Wars show. I'm not sure which way round they're being released, but um yeah, Ironheart, who also is rumoured to be in Black Panther 2. Like, all these little like, cameos and connections and introducing yeah. characters. And it never feels as well, like, you know, we're getting Kate Bishop in Hawkeye and stuff. It never feels like, oh, this smaller character that not many people have heard of is piggybacking on the success of a bigger character. It always feels, like, natural. It always feels like, oh... Here's a character that a lot of people love, but not many people beyond its core fan base know about. You know, like Moon Knight, or um, yeah. you know, even like we saw that with like Sh- like Shang Chi, like one of the biggest films of the pandemic era, is a character that you know not many people had heard of before the film was announced, and and now it's like you know he's going to be a mainstay in in the Avengers and you know in the MCU moving forward. It, it's, it's just it feels really nice to just have these like characters come through and whether it be in their own things like first like miss marvel or whether it be in other projects and then transition out of them like with echo it just feels really really nice to be getting like a lot of different like diverse and really sort of fresh and interesting new characters coming through yeah i agree i agree i'm very excited by all of these announcements um as i said i think my biggest excitement is the spider-man show uh, I've been waiting for a while because obviously Sony owns Spider-Man, but Marvel have always retained the rights to Spider-Man as a TV character, so they've always had the ability to use him as a TV character. So I always thought, like, okay, new Disney Plus Spider-Man show within the MCU, and it's not happened, and finally it happened, I'm... and I'm yeah. so excited for it. Well, we get an origin story, which is interesting because obviously his origin is different to you know the Sam Raimi Spider-Man and a bunch of other different Spider-Men we've had in the past. Um, I'm kind of curious, well, whether they're going to use Tom Holland or whether they're going to use the voice yeah. actor who was in What If, because if it's an MCU yeah. Spider-Man origin and it's going to be his first year in high school, and then the three films we get after that, like in the MCU films, are like his subsequent years, then surely it has to be Tom Holland, right? I feel like I don't know whether Tom Holland will voice it. I hope I I kind of hope he does because I feel like he's quite a good voice actor from what we got with Onward. He was, you know, more than competent. Um but I think it will they'll make us hyper aware that it's Tom Holland Spider-Man. They'll design the look of the character to look like Tom Holland, I think. Um but I think maybe they'll just get kind of like a a voice actor who can kind of sound like Tom Holland. But the voice actor in What If did that right he tried to kind of imitate tom holland i'm not sure i'm not sure i don't remember that well enough to comment because on it, to be honest. It, i feel like he did a kind of and if so you can't use the same voice actor from what if because that's not the same spider-man yeah right? it's a different variant of spider-man yeah so yeah how, how are I, they... do, I don't know what they're gonna do but i'm i'm excited to see it whatever it is i don't know i guess they could do that because they did use the original voice actors for a lot of the characters, and they weren't the original yes, versions. Yes, that is true, actually, yeah. So they, they could, I guess they could reuse the voice actor. Yeah, I don't know. that's true. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Easily. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued yeah. by that, that Spider-Man show. 
Yeah. And have you ever seen or watched the 90s animated X-Men show? Oh, God. I must have seen episodes, the odd episodes. Like, I've not, I'm not a big, I'm not a fan. I'm not like someone who's watched the whole thing and really, really was pushing for this. Apparently, there's a big movement on Twitter and stuff for this to happen. Really? Apparently, a lot of people were wanting the X-Men animated show to to be a thing, like, to carry on. So That is cool. I've never seen a proper, I've probably seen it on, like, the Disney Channel when I was a kid, but never properly enjoyed it or processed it. Um, but I'm really happy that they're bringing it back because its reputation does precede it. Like it has the reputation as one of the best cartoons, superhero cartoons ever made. And to see it not get remade or them to do a new X-Men cartoon, but to be continuing the original one with the same voice cast, that's pretty good if you ask me. And I'm really excited to see that. And I'm also, it's given me the the kind of push to actually delve into it, which I've wanted to do for a while, because like I said, it has this incredible reputation. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited by that. Um, after, after all this stuff, I've seen someone on Twitter before say something like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or like the Marvel Television something universe. <laughs> and I, and I was like, at first I was like, haha, good joke, nice one, quite funny. And then I was like, hang on a minute, the TV content we're getting is cinematic. Like, Falcon Winter Soldier could have easily been a film. Yeah. Like, that that could have been a film. Yeah, and I think that's a whole different conversation because that's something I don't like. I think TV and film are different mediums, and I think the difference is should be embraced and i don't like that they made falcon and the winter soldier and loki and one division like a film less so one division obviously because it was based on zitcoms actually i did but... a uh a uni essay on this in my second year of uni about tv and cinema and uh, i would have to say i disagree with you um really? yeah like you think about game of thrones like a tv show that had millions and millions of dollars budget per episode and it's like one of the most well-received, highly rated yeah. TV shows of all time. Um, I don't know. I, I really like the fact that they're able to tell these more long-form stories in this in a consistent way with the films and also really embrace, like, you know... Like, that Hawkeye scene that we saw today. Yeah, you know, that was fantastic. That is brilliant, phenomenal filmmaking. And, like, yeah. you, there's no way in hell if that was, like, you know... 15 20 years ago like even the netflix shows which are really really well regarded for the most part like daredevil and yeah. jessica jones sure daredevil had some nice one shot one shot stuff that you know i see circulating on twitter all the time but like they've even managed to alter the standards from those and you know that they're, they're they're very consistent like and the fact that you know you're having characters cross over and you know make appearances uh debuts in tv and transition to film or vice versa um, I think you kind of have to now. You have to be, you know, maintain yeah. that level of quality and consistency. Because it'd be oh, so yeah, weird. That's... If, it'd be so weird if like Yelena Belova is introducing Black Widow in this massive million, you know, hundreds of millions budget MCU movie, and then goes into Hawkeye, where it's like you know cheap, tacky TV production. Oh yeah. Oh no, that's not what I meant. That's not. Oh, no, no, I, mean. yeah, yeah. I think you know some of the best TV ever made is better than a lot of films you know i think i would argue that breaking bad and game of thrones and a lot of tv shows 
are far superior to films like Ant-Man. I think that very obviously. But they're very different. And I think TV is a completely different medium. To me, it's like as much as it uses the same tools, it's a different outlet. It's like watercolour and acrylic. They're both paints and they both do the same thing. They both put an image on a canvas. But the results and the methods are so different. And I just think the differences should be embraced. My biggest pet peeve of all of this is TV should not be in 2.39 to 1 aspect ratio. I hate it. It's so pretentious. Just put it in 16 by 9. Or you're just putting black bars on the top and the bottom of the screen for no reason whatsoever. It doesn't change anything other than make it feel cinematic. Just put it in a TV aspect ratio. Give us more image to look at. That's a massive pet peeve. And I hate it. And all the Disney Plus stuff does it. And it really annoys me. That's just yeah. a massive pet peeve I have. Maybe now they've got but these it, IMAX things enhanced. like that. Maybe now they've got these IMAX enhanced versions on, on Disney Plus. Where maybe <laughs> they'll be more encouraged to like use the full format. Like people have 4K TVs. They they want to use that that you know that that real estate. It's been a slew of metaphors. <laughs> a slew of metaphors uh, on this podcast. Um, but, but yeah, yeah they, they, it people, does just yeah. It does just annoy me when TV shows use the 2.39 aspect ratio. That's an aspect ratio for films, not for TV. Why would you do it in TV? Although, to be fair, you know, when it... Kevin Feige announced Falcon Winter Soldier, he did describe it as a... How did he describe a it? Six a six-hour-long fe- film. I think he described it as like a feature, like a feat... Yeah. A long feature. Or like I'm, he's basically explained in a way which basically said, this is a film that is long and is split into parts. Yeah. And I don't like that because that's not what TV is. Like Breaking Bad isn't a film that's split into our segments. It's a TV show. Game of Thrones, the first season of Game of Thrones, it's not like a 10-hour film that's split into episodes. It's 10 episodes that make what? a great long story. Yeah. And and that's just a pet peeve I have. Martin and I Scott wish that they would embrace... Like cringing at the theme park and thinking <laughs> how dare they split the Irishman lent thing into multiple parts <laughs> how yeah. dare they <laughs> but yeah it is it's just things like that and my biggest one is using the, the cinematic aspect ratio for TV because every when you what when you make a TV show in the aspect ratio you know it's never going to be seen on a cinema screen it's only ever going to be watched on TV or laptops or even phones so why would you put it in an aspect ratio that all it does is decrease the amount of image on the screen? It's just pointless, and it just frustrates me. But I could talk about how much I hate that for hours, so we must move on. Yeah, speaking of... Yeah, we are near an hour. Uh, yes, speaking of Marvel... Speaking of Chloe Zhao from, like, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, we must move on. It's been 55 minutes. So, and the next thing... Let's move on from Disney Plus Day. Disney Plus Day was good. Uh, it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, but it was still good, and I still had a good time looking at all the stuff that was announced, and I hope everyone else did as well. But it's time to move on to the big film of the the month, really, Eternals. Eternals is the latest addition to this Marvel Cinematic Universe, or the Marvel Television Universe, <laughs> and um, it is uh, it's a film... Made by Chloe Zhao, Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao, and it's about the Eternals who came to Earth seven thousand years ago to protect us from uh, the Deviants, which are a 
a species of thing that are hell-bent on destruction and they just kill everything in their path and the Eternals are there to protect Earth, protect humans from the Deviants and they do, they kill all of the Deviants and then one comes back in present day so they all have to reunite and that's the plot of Eternals, that's the story of Eternals. Um, yeah, so it's cool, it stars a huge cast, so long in fact I won't list it or we'll be here forever but the, you know the big <laughs> characters, Gemma Chan um, Richard Madden, uh, Angelina Jolie Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie yeah, huge cast Brian Tyree Henry um, Barry Keoghan uh, Salma Hayek as well yeah. and of course it's directed by Chloe Chow so, you, did I say Gemma Chan as well? You start, yeah, you started with Gemma Chan Gemma Chan is the protagonist Cersei uh, and she's great, so yeah what did you go first? I'll let you go first. What did you think of Eternals? What did I think of the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic and Television Multiverse? Um, yeah, we've had a slew of Marvel content. We've had a slew of Marvel year. content. Over the... <laughs> yeah. So, so what did you Eternals... think of the latest one? <laughs> so Eternals and Dune were like my two most hyped films for the past like two years. I've always been like, Dune, please let Dune come out. Please do not delay Dune. Please do not delay Eternals. Um... Uh, Eternals. Oh, my. so I came out of Eternals. Like, have you watched it? I watched it with you. Have you rewatched it yet? By the way, uh, not yet. No, but I do so, intend on rewatching it. Yeah, I'm gonna go next week. I think with my dad because he's not seen it yet. Um, I don't even know how to start with Eternals. It it's epic. It's ambitious. It's different. It's also yet yeah, very similar to a lot of other Marvel films. Um, God, I, I have so much to say and so few, like, I don't even know how to start to say it. Like, I love Chloe Zhao, I love Nomadland, I really, really want to get into her, like, other films. I've still not seen The Rider and, you know, all the other films that she's done. Um, but yeah, I, I love Nomadland, I was really excited for Eternals, the, yeah. you know, the cast, the premise, you know, just... The, even the tra- I mean, the trailers weren't for everyone, but I really enjoyed this particular second trailer. Um, yeah, so I think the best way of describing my feelings for Eternals is like I really respect the ambition, but I really wish that Chloe Zhao was given complete control, and it was kind of my worry of of what was going to happen was that there's a, like there's four writers. And this Kevin Feige overlooking everything, and it's got to fit into the wider universe. And I, I really did, really, really enjoy the film. Uh, and there's just a couple of like parts of the film that kind of pulled it down a little bit for me. And I'm not even sure if a rewatch is going to make them any more redeemable. Um, like this is in my. To, you know, in my top bracket MCU films, by the way. I mean, I've just the way I've described it, you might think it, you know, might be towards the lower end or middle, or whatever. But it, it's definitely up there as one of the better films in the MCU for me. Um, but there were definitely, I don't know. Let's just let's just start with the the weaknesses, I guess. I'll run through like, and you can see if you agree or disagree on anything, and we can maybe be a bit more like mm. back and forth on on our reviews. Yeah. I think it might be a more interesting way of doing it, just because it does feel like a hard film to talk about because. It is so, like I said before, it's so different to other Marvel films, and yet it does feel very familiar. Um, so, like, for instance, 
I don't know if you agree, but I think some of the dialogue, particularly early on in the film, was very, very poor. Like, it felt really just... I don't know, like, it just felt so insincere and just painstakingly average. Like, the early dialogue, like, we get thrown right into an action scene right early on, and the dialogue between characters just feels really jarring. We don't really know... You know, it doesn't really establish the relationship between the characters very well, I don't think. And even sort of, like, the acting throughout was good. Um, but there were a couple of performances. Um, like, Richard Madden, for me, I think you agreed with me on this one, was very weirdly directed. I'm not sure if it was a direction thing or, or a screenplay yeah, thing. Yeah, very wooden. Just him. But he was very, like, wooden and just his delivery of lines just felt so off for someone i had such high expectations for going into the film i thought he'd be a standout um so yeah the, the dialogue i think yeah was well, you could definitely see that it was written by you know a, a host of host of different people um the acting again you know for the most part was was pretty solid it was was i'd say very good in in, in parts and also very just average in others uh, VFX as well was the main criticism I'd heard of the film. Like, I'd heard a lot of criticism going into the film. You know, it was very diver- um, diverse and divisive opinions and critical reviews going into the film um, on all sorts of issues. But I think the VFX was the one thing that I'd heard people say about that had me concerned. I don't know if I'd agree with them, like, consistently, but there were definitely moments of the film where the VFX did feel very just odd and not very well polished like people have criticisms and, and critiques of like the black panther third act but even some of the stuff in eternals i felt was was like similar like it felt very like video gamey like just unbelievable and just kind of pulled me out a little bit especially in the climax of the film where you want to really be invested in in the story and the characters um but yeah i mean i mean overall i i really enjoyed it i thought uh there's some of the visuals um you know even for just just for our film you know regardless of its status as a marvel film i thought some of the visuals were very very beautiful and stunning um you could tell that like they'd made full use of the you know the sets and on location shoots and um you know, the stuff that Chloe Zhao really sort of strove and pushed for. You could really tell that that had, uh, had made its way into large segments of the film. And even some of the VFX, like, some of the VFX in the film, um, like, was really, really visually stunning. Like, you compare it to, like, to, like Guardians of the Galaxy and, like, the, the really obviously visually stunning visual effects. Like, those, like, those, um, like, Celestials and, and stuff, like, those wide... You know, large aspects, large format IMAX shots of the Celestials and and the transitions between the those those scenes was was stunning. Like even for you know just any film, regardless of a Marvel film. So yeah, there was there was definitely strengths throughout. Um, there were just a couple of little things that made me really want to reflect on it and think about it, and I'd, I'd say go rewatch it at some point. Um, at some point soon, just because I hope they don't like tarnish my overall opinion too much uh of the film yeah i pretty much uh agree with what you said 
I think the VFX at times, they did feel a bit weak and a bit odd. Um, not the worst VFX I've ever seen, but they definitely weren't the best. They definitely felt a bit bad at times. Um, going into it, I had very low expectations, but also very high expectations because the reviews were awful. The reviews, it's the lowest rated Marvel film on Rotten Tomatoes. But I was very intrigued because normally, you know, everyone talks about this Marvel formula where they just crank out 18, 90% of Rotten Tomatoes, very good, consistently good films, but never anything special, just consistently good. And I don't understand the critical reaction to this at all. I do not think I can fathom a world where this is worse than Thor 2 or Age of Ultron. This is one of the best Marvel films for me. This is, it, it, it's what I've been craving from it. I've said the last, for the last few years, since before Endgame came out, I've said, like, I'm getting kind of bored with this formulaic thing where every film is very similar in, in themes and in tone. They're all very similar. You can kind of predict the beats of the story and everything. Um, and this was something different. And that's all I wanted from it was something different. And that is what I got. It's not necessarily perfect, but it's new. and It's refreshing. And I completely agree with what you're saying. I would just wish they'd have trusted Chloe Zhao. I get why they didn't, because when they hired her, she was just an indie director. She, you know, made Nomadland and then swept the Oscars and Golden Globes and BAFTAs and everywhere after Eternals. You know, if she'd have gone to if she'd gone into Eternals with the Oscar, that maybe it would have been a different film. She would have been given more freedom. Yeah. Um, but this is definitely, I think, this is a Marvel film before it's a Chloe Zhao film. You know, she normally writes her own film solo, but this has got four credited screenwriters. Um, she normally edits her own films, but this is edited by two people, one of whom is Marvel's kind of go-to editor who's done Ant-Man and the Wasp, Guardians of the Galaxy, a few Marvel films. She normally uses the same cinematographer, but this is done by Ben Davis, which has done who has done several Marvel films. Uh, she normally produces her films with the same similar group of people, uh, but this is done by Feige and co., so it's definitely a Marvel film before it's a Chloe Zhao film, but it's a Chloe Zhao Marvel film. She's still left her footprint on it. And I think the moments that are seemingly less significant to the story and to the overall MCU as a whole, where you can tell like Marvel kind of said, okay, this isn't massively impactful towards the whole MCU, so you can do whatever you want with this. When she was given the freedom on those small character moments, this film shines brighter than any other MCU film. Like the moments between Gilgamesh and Thena. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily, they are the best emotional, the most emotional, the best scenes in the MCU. Um, and that's partly because of the performances as well of Angelina Jolie and Ma Dong Siok, who plays uh, Thena and, and Gilgamesh respectively. Um, and they are wonderful. And those scenes and those moments where the Eternals, you, the, she, Chloe Zhao makes the Eternals feel more like a family than the Avengers ever have done. And the bond between them is stronger than anyone else that we've seen in the MCU. And if she'd have been able to do that all the way through, this would have been, I think, what Marvel wanted it to be, which was a genuinely an epic space sci-fi film. You know, they wanted it to rival the likes of Star Wars and Dune. But they didn't give Chloe Zhao enough creative freedom to do it. You know, it, it feels like Chloe Zhao has been able to elevate Marvel above what they normally do. 
but Marvel has dragged Chloe Zhao down at the same time, not necessarily dragged, but kind of anchored her down um, at the same time, because those moments where it's just the Eternals talking are just the best. It's honestly some of the best MCU content we've got. And like you mentioned about the Celestials, the scale of the Celestials in this, it's so unbelievably well done how they've managed to make the Celestials feel as big as they are. You know, they're bigger than planets, and that's a difficult thing to show on a cinema screen, and or on any kind of screen for that matter. It's difficult to genuinely grasp the scale, but seeing it, you know, we watched it in full 1.43 IMAX, and it's the only way to fully appreciate the true scale of the Celestials, because they are massive, and they make planets look tiny, let alone people look tiny. And it was just in awe. I mean, there's two sequences in Eternals. There are, there's a lot of uh, IMAX, but there are two sequences that are in 1.43 IMAX instead of 1.9 IMAX. And they're genuinely mind-blowing. It's absolutely phenomenal to see how, you know, thinking, comparing this to Nomadland and how small and intimate that story was, juxtaposed with the massive scale and grandeur of the Celestials was just an unbelievable thing to see. But then you, again, going back to what Chloe Zhao brings to it, she has brought the humanity to it, and these characters do feel like this is... It's a very human story, even though they're not humans. That's kind of the point. Um, it's a very human story, and the, the way that she deals with these characters and the conflicts that they all go through separately, like Druig and... Is her name Makari? Makari. Makari, yeah. yeah. Their relationship, their friendship is so compelling, so incredible. And you can tell that, that that's all from Chloe Zhao. It's not from Marvel because they don't normally do things like this. And this is a long film. It's like two hours, two and a half hours, which is, I think it's the second longest Marvel film after Endgame. And it's so good. Um, but like you say, it is kind of dragged down by quite a bit. You know, the dialogue is bad at times. Um and, you know, we know that Chloe Zhao is a great writer because she's done three films that are incredibly well written. Um, but the dialogue is quite bad and, and clunky. And I do agree. I think Richard Madden's performance was just weird. I get that he was meant to be this kind of duty-bound, emotionless soldier. But so was Selma Hayek's Ajax. And I think Selma Hayek was fantastic in this. Um, but yeah, he just... Icarus seemed to be void of any kind of personality and it just didn't work well for me at all um and it is quite it's quite a busy film as well there are a lot of characters and we're meeting all of them for the first time so we have to get to know like i think there are like 11 eternals and we have to get to know them all and it feels like it we could talk about this for hours because we could give each eternal like 10 minutes of conversation like i think cersei was great um Icarus was great, Fastos was great, um, Sprite was great, you know, all of them were great. Kingo, Kingo was fantastic, yeah. Kamal Nanjiani, uh, Kingo was brilliant, he was very much the comic relief, and he was actually funny as well. Sometimes it was a bit, like, cringy humour, but a lot of the humour in it was actually funny, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I've mentioned my favourites were Gilgamesh and Thena, um, but I love them all. They they were all great. Yeah. I, they were all yeah. great, and I think um, like everyone's got their own favorite. Like 
mm. which is just testament really to this to this character like creation. And you mentioned the fact that they have to, you know, delve into the histories and past and you know thousands of years of these characters. Um, you know, maybe they didn't have enough time, even in a two and a half hour runtime, to really delve into the like sort of really depths of the characters and really explore them fully. Um, but I think. You know, even though I would argue that, yeah, sure, you can say this, you know, it's, it's very busy and there's a lot of characters and maybe they didn't do every character, you know, maybe they didn't go into enough detail for each character. But I did feel like they did a very good job given the runtime they had um, and the amount of characters and, and history and lore and world building they had to do. And the fact that, like I say, that every person you ask will have, like, you know, there's a, such a wide range of characters that people love. Like, Gilgamesh and Athena, absolutely amazing. And then some people really, really vibe, like, with, like, I like personally, my favourite characters were probably McCarvey and Jurek, like you mentioned. Like, really good chemistry, yeah. really interesting relationship. Jurek's kind of moral dilemma and his, the way he acts on his sort of emotions and the way he feels about the actions that they're doing and the way Makari like is this incredible you know compared to Quicksilver is absolutely pitiful compared to Makari <laughs> like this the speedster the, the yeah like the way they did her I think you know compared to some previous iterations of, of fast characters from from comic book films she was done very 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 well and I, I love Lauren Ridloff I think she's amazing and I, I love her in The Walking Dead she's one of my favorite characters in that show and uh you know, she she just incredible in in Eternals. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really tough one with Eternals. Like, I really really liked it, and there's just a couple of things that like do drag it down a little bit. Um, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, you mentioned as well one thing you did mention, which I thought was quite interesting. Point was you said about how, um. Obviously, this was done before Nomadland, and you know, perhaps if this was done after Nomadland, Closure would have been given a bit more freedom, and they would have kind of been like, "Oh wow, like she is really good." Um, but it's kind of weird because you look at someone like Destin Daniel Cretton, who did Chang Chi, uh, whose biggest film before that was probably Short Term Twelve, which was you know indie film with Brie Larson and Lakeith Stanfield yeah. and Rami Malek, and like. That was a very well received film, and you know, like The Rider and Songs My Brothers Taught Me. Is that yeah, Songs My Brothers Taught Me. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there's critically very well received films, you know, maybe not like big box office smashes, um, but like in a similar way, I feel like it, it's kind of weird because I watched the Shang-Chi Assembled video. Um, speaking of Disney Plus Day, I watched the Shang-Chi Assembled <laughs> um, documentary today. Um, mm. And that was really, really interesting, actually. Like, there was so much stuff in that film that I didn't even realise. Like, you know, we talk about Eternals production design. The Shang-Chi production design was phenomenal. Like, they built, like... Oh, yeah. So much of the set, like, they built it. Like, the interiors, everything. So, yeah, kudos to them. But comparing, like, that to Eternals, it, it's weird. Like, Destin Denocrat is such a strong, firm, clear impression on this film as, like an Asian American with experience in, you know, America and China and, you know, all these different like influences and his personal influences. And, you know, he even like bringing in like different stunt guys and production designers and everything, cinematographers and everything like that. Like it's weird that Chloe Zhao, even though she'd 
I say only done the rider and this and the song was taught me. You know, she hadn't made Nomadland at this point, but it wasn't as if she was an unknown director, especially, you yeah. know, the fact they recruited her means they had a firm eye on this is a very good up-and-coming indie director with, you know, huge cinematic potential. Yeah. Like, it's it feels weird that, like, she was she feels more anchored by the Marvel formula than Destin Daniel Cretton did, even though Shang-Chi as a film, as narratively, is more formulaic than Eternals. I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. Like, what's your take as well? Like, going forward, if they, you know, they might not do a direct sequel. Um, but do you think this is it? This is Chloe's hours, you know, one and done blockbuster, or do you think she'll venture out into, you know, it's the Star Wars rumors as I mentioned before. She obviously got a good relationship with Disney. Um, yeah. Do you think like if they did an Eternal sequel, do you think she would return for that? Like, obviously, Captain Marvel was um, Anna Fleck and Ryan Bird, and, and they. You know they've departed and it's now near the Costa, yeah. Um, and like, what do you think? Like critically, it's been very mixed. This film, pub box office has been very good, obviously, but publicly as well, very divisive. Like similar to Captain Marvel. So, do you think Chloe yeah. would return for for anything else in the future? I I hope so because I would love to see what she could actually do with a two hundred million dollar sci fi budget. Um. And not be weighed down by needing to do thousands of years worth of exposition, yeah. um, just to be able to do that. I, I I would really look forward to seeing what she could do. But at the same time, I do just want I I don't want her to make another Eternals movie if you know it's just going to be Marvel marveling again. Yeah. Like I think yeah. Chloe Zhao because the thing with um you mentioned Shang Chi feels a lot. Um, it's more formulaic, but it feels a lot freer, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of because with Shang-Chi, they embraced the formula, if that makes sense. Like, they embraced the things that make Marvel Marvel, whereas I feel like Chloe right. Zhao kind of went against the grain and said, I don't want to do it like this, I want to do it differently. And rather than, you know, she was going against the current. And I think that's why Eternals feels like it suffered because of the formula because films can thrive because of the you know we keep mentioning this formula as though it's a tangible thing but you know what i mean like mm-hmm, you know yeah. it's very possible for films to thrive some of the, some of the best mcu films are incredibly formulaic having a formula isn't necessarily a bad thing it can be very very good um but when you're going against the formula and you're trying to fight it and do something different it does kind of emphasize how Marvel can kind of say, actually, we do things this way. You know, you need to have a big CGI battle at the end. You need to have a joke thrown in every now and again. You need to have this in there. And it kind of felt like if Chloe Zhao were just given the freedom to do what she wanted, it would have been very different because those very human moments are perfect. Like, they're genuinely perfect. And That was a really nice, like, through line in the film as well. Like, the kind of... I don't know. Is I don't know if it's a spoiler. I feel like it's not. If it is, we can, you know. It, I don't know. I don't think it's a spoiler. This is this is a potential tiny spoiler. So skip yeah. like 15, 20, 30 seconds. If just you get like a minute ahead. Um, yeah. But basically, you know, you mentioned earlier about like the Eternals and like kind of humanity of the story, in spite of this like supernatural non-human status. Like, hmm. you know, a big through line of the film is kind of like, you know, the Eternals almost realizing like. Like, 
so like the, the battle between like the Eternals and and the Deviants, like there's like a line there, like, well, that would make us no different from the Deviants, and like, yeah, it's just kind of self acceptance, but also self realization, and kind of inner conflict and in in external conflict and conflict between people and between the Eternals, hmm. like that's like a big through line of the film, and uh, you mentioned Kojo really dealing really well with the quote-unquote humanity of the characters like that that they have the strongest moments of the film for sure and yeah that i agree with you fully like they're the moments you can clearly see closure's influence coming through in the moments where it isn't you know a cg battle or it isn't some expositional origin although to be fair the exposition scenes in this film for a comic book film i thought were handled very very well like, yeah, I agree. I never felt, I, that... I never felt like, oh, this is an exposition scene. Like in June, you get this, <laughs> you get an ebook yeah, of, yeah. of Paul. It's very heavy exposition e-book. in June. <laughs> like you, like you watch Eternals, and the one moment I would say exposition is abundant and obvious and clear is the moment with the Celestial, in which the Celestial is explaining yeah. a bunch of stuff, and even then. The fact that you're made to feel so small by both the visuals and the story, you almost just accept it. You just kind of go, "Yeah, you are this massive higher power. Sure, you you tell me about all this stuff. I yeah. I will listen." Like it was done very well. Yeah, I agree, and I think the exposition as well with the characters and their relationships was done really well by the, the you know this is a non-linear story. It jumps back in time and then back to present yeah. day several times throughout. We could we we start off. 7,000 years ago when the Eternals first arrive and then we jump to present day and then we go to 5,000 years ago where there's another event in human history that the Eternals were there for and then jumps ahead again and then back again and then ahead again and then back again all the way up to kind of like Hiroshima in the 40s and then back to present day and then back again and that's a really interesting way because it's like we're we're putting pieces of the puzzle together as we go along uh, of these characters and the relationships that they have with one another um so yeah i do think that this is this is top tier marvel for me and i think especially for people like me because i've mentioned as i said earlier i've been saying this for the past couple of years i'm getting kind of bored with it and it does kind of all feel the same and i don't have any interest to go back and revisit these films like i've got no interest whatsoever to go back and revisit doctor strange or you know uh thor you know i i don't i'm getting kind of bored with it so to me, this is something different, and that is all I wanted it to be. Like, even though it's not perfect, even though it is held back from its true potential, it's different and it's refreshing. And that is the biggest thing about this that I absolutely adore. And I hope the poor critical reception doesn't turn Marvel off doing things differently and doing things new and in an interesting way. Because that this, this is what I love about it. I love that this is different from all the other Marvel films. This feels less like a Marvel film than anything else in the MCU. And I absolutely love that. You know, there is the, the reminder. They mentioned Thanos. They mentioned the Avengers. They have to keep reminding us that this is Marvel. Um, yeah. But it, it doesn't feel like it has to be in the MCU. It feels like it could be a standalone sci-fi film. And I love that about it. I love that it's new. I love that it's different. Um, Even though it's not perfect, it tries to be something different. And I think overall, this this is great. 
Yeah. But yeah. I think that's kind of where my issue lies with this film. It's almost similar to Dune Antenna, actually. That I had such... I was so excited. I was hyped for so long. I was, you know, Chloe Zhao and Denis Villeneuve and Christopher Nolan, like, you know, incredible yeah. filmmakers who have got these massive, massive, epic, in, in you know, like, um, ambitious storytelling, you know, pieces. That, like, I came out of them thinking, like, am I... Am I feeling like the way I'm feeling because I was expecting more and I I, I was over expectant, or am I feeling? Or and then I always on the other side, it's like, am I kind of justifying my like for it because it's made by this person? Like these kind of two sides of the coin yeah, of like, absolutely. Because I I think I gave this a four and a half out of five, and I was teetering on like the four four and a half like for so long, and I was like, okay. Am I going to give it a four and a half just because it's Chloe Zhao and it's just because it's different? Or am I going to give it a four because I was a bit under, not underwhelmed, but like it, it wasn't fully up to my expectations. And it's kind of harder to manage those. Like you want it to be really good because you love the people involved and you love the cast and you love the franchise. But then it's not up to your expectations, but then that's also your own fault. So it's like, well do you know how how do i fall on this like how do i fall on this film and, I, and I, maybe that's why i felt so like internally conflicted after watching the film because i was like i loved it and i wanted to love it more but i didn't but is that because of me or because of the film and i think that's maybe where the issue lies with maybe me and maybe a lot mm. of other people who have really kind of struggled to like place it not just you know, in in their like MCU ranked lists or whatever, but like just just yeah. place it as a film by its in, by its own right. Like it's hard to judge in that in that regard, really. But like, also, what do you think as well in terms of? Because we went to watch it with a, a Twitter friend, um, yes. and because he mentioned that it felt long but also rushed. I think he said. Um, yeah, it felt very long but also very rushed. And it f- and in that regard. I can't remember which film it was I described like that. Oh, I, I described Army of Thieves like that recently, actually. And I, about Army of Thieves, I said, this feels like a TV show that's been squashed into two hours. Do you think The Eternals would have been better as a Disney Plus series? No, I don't. Very much not. I think it works well as a cinematic event, and it's it feels very much like film. And I, I don't think it would work as a TV show, this personally i do feel i do understand what you mean by it's slow but rushed or it's long but it's rushed um because it it does feel there's a lot to fit in you know it's seven thousand years worth of events packed into two and a half hours plus new events that are the you know the the climax of this film and the plot of this film um and it does kind of feel like at times it skips a bit which is why I think this really, as much as it's horrible, and I don't know who I'd pick because I love them all, I think it would have been better to cut a few of the Eternals out, you know, rather than have them that, all there. The thing is, I'm pretty sure in the comics there's more Eternals than that. Yeah, they, they I remember reading that. Originally the there were like 12, and they cut it down yeah. to fewer. Yeah. But I think they could have gotten rid of even more, because well, it does you, feel... Who would you get rid of, though? This is what I mean. I don't know. I think Sprite is the obvious one to go because I don't think she really did anything. 
that I think, important. I think Sprite's conflict is super interesting, though. I think she's been massively and unfairly, like, criticised as a character. Like, I don't know. Do it, it's, like, it's a really super interesting... I think it's underexplored in the film. I think that's why. But, like... And maybe it is because of, you know, we have to divide this runtime between so many characters and the world building yeah. and the story and, you know, introducing all this new stuff. But, yeah, like, you know, you, we talked before about the humanity and balancing, like, love for humans and a growing sense of humanity also in it conflicting with uh, moral and higher power and a, and a moral compass and purpose. And and this kind of sense of like self acceptance, but self realization and 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 conflict. But then you also have like sprites, like thing of you know being stuck eternally as a child for seven thousand years, and you know not being able to come to terms with you know fitting in with humanity and and realizing that potential because. You know, you, you're eternally a child, and all of your friends are able to, you know, fit into to normal, like you know, quote unquote normal lives. And I, I think that's a super interesting, like, you know, premise. And you know, while we get a really intriguing take on fitting in with humanity from the rest of the Eternals, Sprite isn't able to do that, and that's that's even more intriguing to me personally like as you know, fit... so, yeah but then it just wasn't explored enough in the film and yeah you know fingers crossed hopefully moving forward maybe sprites you know uh you know comes up elsewhere you know maybe i can't remember it was someone made a suggestion about where she could appear and, and other characters she could potentially you know have interactions with um but yeah i i, I mean yeah, I mean, all, I I don't know who I would cut out of the film to be honest with you. I think I think all the characters were were very were unique and strong and mm. had something to offer. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, they did. Speaking of a series, though, like you mentioned about having all these events and stuff, like going through these flashback sequences to the past and then the present and stuff, and and going through seven thousand years. Like one thing I did feel the film didn't do well enough was and you just i think you disagreed with me on this point actually when when we talked about it was um having this kind of like we have these segments especially the one that really really i thought could have was was powerful and emotional and was really heartfelt but could have been you know done even to an even greater degree was the the fastos one um with the as you mentioned in the 40s with with the uh the, the the bombing the atomic bombing yeah um it just feels so hard to like feel the implications and ramifications of that on fastos like we see him in present day and sure you know you, you can make implications and you can like you know we, we do see some of the impacts it had on him as a person but like it just feels so jarring to like jump from the forties to then the present day. Even like that seventy year jump feels super jarring. Like I feel like we could have explored more. Like if it was a TV show, and I know you don't think it should have been a TV show because it was very cinematic, which you know it was cinematic. And you know if I didn't see it in cinema, it would have been a real shame. But if we had had like eight episodes 
or, or you know, seven, go with a biblical theme, go seven episodes and do like seven one hour episodes where we go through like we have an episode where we establish the Eternals, who they are, what they're doing, you know, why they're on Earth, you know, their arrival to Earth, and then even if you still consistently do time jumps through episode to episode, you know, you don't have to progress chronologically. We can, you know, have present day timeline and past timeline. But I feel like it would have made for a lot more impactful character moments and a lot more impactful uh, emotional beats and journeys and changes and character, you know, journeys if we'd had more time with them and been able to establish the world and the characters and so on a bit better. I don't know. I feel like it would have worked. Well, I... I do more. agree with that, but I think that's true of anything. I don't think that's just true of this film. I think if you give more, if you make something into a TV show, then you, you'll get more time with the characters and you'll be able to flesh the characters out far more. You know, you, you think Tony Stark is the longest character who had the longest run in the MCU. He had like three films, four Avengers films, and a Captain America film, Spider-Man film. And his runtime in all of that is probably only like six hours, maybe. That's less than one series of TV. So, and yet he was so well developed over the course of the MCU. Yeah. So I think it's true of anything. If you make anything into, if you take any film and turn it into a TV show, but... you'll get more time with the characters and more time to flesh out the characters, and it will seem better. I I do think that an an Eternals TV show would be very interesting to see them over the seven thousand years that they were there to see that that would be very interesting. But I don't think that what we got with the plot with the deviants coming back and the specific moments that we saw should have been a TV show. Instead, I think a TV show uh, set during the Eternals' time on Earth. That would be interesting, but I don't think that we should have gotten a TV show instead of this, because I think this is a very cinematic film, and I don't think it would have worked as a TV show as well as it did in film. Weirdly, yeah, I guess getting closure for like that long as well would have been a lot more difficult to like yeah, logistically do. But I mean, and also, but I do agree with the the point about Fastos. I kind of agree. Um, I do think that we don't really get enough time to feel the yeah. Uh, implications of what he did we're more kind of told that this is how he feels rather than shown that this is how he feels and they always say you know show don't tell um, yeah and they they it feels like they do just tell us that he abandoned humanity turned his back and left and vowed to never use his powers again they don't really uh show us that they just kind of tell us that and expect us to buy into it um so i do agree but again i think fastos is a character who suffered because the film was so bloated with characters, you know, I've just counted yeah. there are ten Eternals, plus mm -hmm. there's Kit Harrington, plus there's Karun, uh, Kingo's assistant, then there's the plot with the Celestials, uh, and there's a lot going on in this film, and I think Fastos and Sprite are the two Eternals that suffered the most from uh, just not having the room for them to properly be explored. Yeah, I mean, the Fastos thing as well, like, you... You look at that and you kind of think, well, yeah, it's because of, you know, there's a lot of to, a lot of ground to cover, and it would have been nice, as I say, to like see, like how he changed, and it would have been a lot more impactful a change if we'd have had more time with him before that change, like we see him be really eager and encouraging and enthusiastic about the technological developments for like 
30 seconds maybe in the film beforehand yeah. like and then oh he you know it, it, it sure you can say like yeah he didn't go on he didn't go on on and on about it and didn't need to necessarily but i feel like if it was a t- for example if it was a tv show and you'd had five episodes out of a seven episode run where he's always eager and enthusiastic and he's devising you know these contraptions and incentivizing humanity to like you know adapt and evolve and move forward with technology and then six episode opens cold open with you know the 1940 atomic bombing of japan and you know he has to then deal with that and then you know move forward with that like that would be just i don't know we just we don't have enough time to linger with each character and that's you know no fault of i, I do agree performances or, or whatever it's, it's more just yeah fitting so much into this compact runtime like you mentioned like iron man and you I agree to an extent, but you also have to account for the fact that Iron Man had three solo films and appeared in other fr- other ensemble films. Like, yeah. this is ten characters. That's what I mean, in... yeah. I don't think yeah. the answer to this is... I, I do agree that the characters weren't given enough time, but I, I just don't think the answer is giving them a TV show. Um, like I said, I do... I stand by it. I think regardless of what it is if you have a tv show you will have more time and you will be able to flesh out the characters more i think you know uh i'm trying to think of tv shows like even tv shows like going back to i mentioned breaking bad earlier even though i mentioned it briefly but because i mentioned it briefly it's stuck in my head i feel like walter white is far more fleshed out as a character than iron man because we got you know 60 episodes with him as opposed to six films with tony stark um, so I do, I just think it's true of anything, but I don't think the answer for Eternals was a TV show. I think Eternals, the way that this was uh, thought of and um, conceived by Chloe Zhao and Kevin Feige and the whole team behind it, it's a very cinematic endeavour and I don't think this would have worked as a TV show. I think this needed to be a film because I think even though I think it is a bit slow at times, I think it's paced very well. And I think and there was never times where I thought I was bored. There were never yeah, times yeah. where I thought too much was going on at once. Yeah. I thought it was paced very well. The emotional beats really hit. And also, and this is unusual for me, because normally, my girlfriend hates this, but normally I am very good at predicting things happening in films. I'm very good at predicting plot twists. Like in Last Night in Soho, I got the plot twists quite early on. I didn't get the plot twist in this. It took me by surprise. I, f- I only figured it out as it was happening. Um, so I think it was a very good twist done very well. I don't know whether that was because I have never read the comics. I knew nothing about this film going in. I'd only watched the first trailer. Oh no, I'd seen the second trailer as well. Um, hadn't seen any of the extra clips that got released. But the twist genuinely took me by surprise. And I thought it was a very well executed twist. And... Um, there were there were a few things that happened that genuinely surprised me, and I can't mention them because, like I've said, they're big plot twists. Um, but they are they did take me by surprise, and I thought the story was done very very well. And it was kind of the emotional beats hit, the pacing was very good, and I think it you would have lost that if it was done as a TV show. So I think this was a film, and I think it worked excellently as a film. And as much as I understand people saying this isn't perfect because it isn't perfect obviously but i think it's by far 
not the worst MCU film, which it is according to Rotten Tomatoes, which is a very reliable source of information, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's I think it's one of the best, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it's just it's just something different and it's just something fun, regardless of the fact that it's not perfect. It's different, and that's all I've wanted from Marvel for ages now is something different. Do you no, have no. do you have no, anything else to say about Eternals? Um, I don't think so, really. Before we I go mean, into our final ratings and uh, no, I, I don't think so. Match. So I think yeah, just I definitely want to revisit it. I want to see. I want to see yeah. on a rewatch, knowing what to expect. How do I feel about it? As like, you know, embracing its yeah. flaws and its strengths. Like you know, this will get a, get it, a fresh set of fresh set of eyes on it. Yeah, Eternals will be the first Marvel film since Endgame that I willingly rewatch. I rewatched oh, I, Black Widow yeah. because I needed to pass two hours. <laughs> I, didn't I rewatched want to Black watch Widow. It, I rewatched Black I, Widow uh, and Shang Chi. I have I, I I had no desire to rewatch Black Widow whatsoever, but I was stuck in town and I needed to pass two hours, so I thought, fuck it, I might as well rewatch Black Widow. And I was bored I don't, I don't throughout, mind. I don't, I'd already seen I don't it. Mind. I, don't I, had, mind I loved Shang-Chi, but I had no desire to rewatch it. I enjoyed Far From Home, but I had no desire to rewatch it. Avengers Endgame was the last MCU film that I willingly rewatched. I didn't rewatch Captain Marvel or Ant-Man and the Wasp or anything, because I, I said this a few weeks ago, I don't have any desire to rewatch them anymore. I've watched them, I can move on. Eternals is something new, it's something different, and it's the first one in a while that I actively want to rewatch, and that is yeah. exciting for me. If if more of the MCU is like this, it's rejuvenating my excitement in it, which has been depleting over the past few years. So if um, Nia DaCosta brings something new to the Marvels, which I hope she does, uh, I've not seen uh, any of her films actually. Uh, because she, her last film was Candyman, and I've not seen the films that she did prior to Candyman, but um, I don't think I have. But um, she's very, she's an exciting director, and I'm excited to see what she does with the Marvels. Um, so yeah, I ju- overall, I just hope that we get more interesting, different things from Marvel. So I think that brings our actual reviews of Eternals to a close. So. Let's close out the review with our ratings. Uh, you went first with your review, so I'll go first with my rating, I think. Um, I'm going to give Eternals an 8 out of 10. What would you okay. give Eternals out of a 10? Uh, so... I'm going to give it an 8.5, actually. Sorry to yeah, interrupt so you. I've got it as a 4.5 out of 5. Um, I'm... I... I'm so I I'm getting to the point now with ratings where I'm on letterbox and I'm just like I don't want to rate this. <laughs> I, I generally just sit there like I I don't want to rate this because I've preferred this film and I thought this film was better, but I also enjoyed this one more. So how do I rate them? And I just sit there looking at these lists forever and ever like which which one goes above which one by one place in this list or which one goes this way. But I am um, yeah I give it a four and a half out of five. I think. I'd say out of ten, like yeah, like an eight and a half. But then, having rewatched Shang Chi twice and watching the behind the scenes featurette, which made me appreciate it even more, I gave that a four out of five, and I, I think I'd say that's also an eight and a half. 
So the out of five ranking is just completely nonsense because I've given one a four and one a four and a half. So, um, but yeah, this is kind of like in that sweet spot between Eternals. I mean, is in a sweet spot for me between um, Black Panther, um, Shang Chi, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, which all could you know maybe not so coincidentally have these very strong. Uh, familial undertones and stuff about identity and come to terms with your ancestry and your origins and your purpose. Um, so yeah, that, that it's, it's in and around that sort of area. Um, it, yeah, it's kind of a hard one to rate, as I said before, just right at the start of my review, just because it's so ambitious and so fresh and so sort of almost, almost on the cusp of defining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But just fails to, but unfortunately, because it just fails to, it, you know, does fail to. Um, but it, it is so, it's so ambitious in, in its scope and scale and its intentions that it's kind of hard to not give it such a good score. Um, so, yeah, mm. eight and a half out of ten. Um, and as I say, it's in that real sweet spot between some of my favourite films like Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Black Panther and, and Shang-Chi. So, yeah. So it's up there. Yeah. It's one of the best ones. I, I agree, it is up there. Um, next, who is your now I have a sneaking suspicion I know who this is gonna be, and I have an, another sneaking suspicion that it's gonna be the same as me. But who is your man of the match? Oh I don't know I don't know. You don't know. Like, I would say Chloe Zhao, but then like I said before, it's so hard to give it to her just because it does feel like she's been really anchored down and she doesn't get the opportunity to shine as as much as she could have done. Also, one thing we haven't talked about at all, and I think this is kind of indicative of the MCU, we haven't talked about the score at all. No, we haven't talked about the score. I don't remember the score. I remember all. it being, like, good, but nothing amazing. Yeah, but I remember enjoying I it genuinely... at the time and never thinking about it again, which is pretty other much than the same Spider-Man, all Marvel scores. Yes, other than Spider-Man, I genuinely cannot remember a single piece of music from any Marvel film. I can remember Apart the from... Avengers theme and the Black Panther Well, yeah, Avengers theme. Avengers theme, Black Panther, which is Lovely Gunson, who is amazing, so that's fair enough. Yeah. And Spider-Man, because it's like... I can't remember the Spider-Man, Spider-Man theme off the top of my head. You can. It's like the iconic Spider-Man theme, but like a really like, modern riff on it. No, but that's not the Spider-Man theme. That's the Spider-Man theme that they use in trailers, but the actual MCU Spider-Man theme is different. But they do use that tr- that song in the films, right? No, they don't. No. Well, yeah, then I, I don't remember anything from Spider-Man. But yeah, so, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Black Panther's but great, yeah. obviously. Avengers is great. I thought Shang-Chi's score was great at the time, but as time's gone on, I've kind of forgotten it. I think Black Panther is, you know, if you, we're not counting soundtrack from Guardians of the Galaxy because that's literally just pay to win. Yeah. Um, Black Panther is the best score. Oh yeah, absolutely. Probably closely followed by like Alan Silvestri's Avengers and Endgame and blah blah yeah. blah. blah. Um, yeah, I agree. This score one of the is match. So come back to one of the match. I apologise for the another tangent. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. God, that's a really tough one. I 
again, another character I really want to give it to was wasn't in the film enough and didn't have enough to do was Angelina Jolie. Oh, I I completely disagree about wasn't in the film. Well, I suppose I agree she wasn't in the film enough, but I I think that's just because I loved her so much. I think she was, I think she was the best Eternal. Her like her kind of story. Her was acting was the best. Her she acting was, was the best. Her story was the best. Yeah, yeah. But I just wanted more. I wanted more of her on the screen. Yeah, um, I, I I do agree with that. But I think that's a case of you. You know, you should always leave them wanting more. True. Oh, this 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 man of the matches is actually kind of impossible. I, I genuinely don't know who to give it to. Well, should I give mine first? Because I know who mine is. Is yours going to be Chloe Zhao? Mine is Chloe Zhao. Yeah, I I agree. She was uh, held back by Marvel, but I think the fact that she was held back by Marvel, but she still managed to make something that uh, is different and unique and has some of the most emotional moments in the whole MCU like the moments between Gilgamesh and Thena are fantastic like genuinely some of the best MCU scenes ever and I think that's all her and she has taken this and made it something new and something invigorating and fun uh, so yeah it mine is Chloe Zhao my my woman of the match is Chloe Zhao uh, someone called Sam Houston's gonna hate you for saying that. I just said that solely just to piss them off. Apparently, they even use man of the match in women's football. They say man of the match in women's yeah, football. Yeah, that's what Sam was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. Ju- I just say that to piss them off. <laughs> you know who I want to give it to? You might be surprised because I'm not. I'm not mentioning him at all. Who is? Who is it? I want to give it to Barry Keon. Really? I. Th- I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He he stole every scene he was in, and his he was one of the yeah. more interesting characters who had like. He wasn't one like some of the characters I felt were very strong, but were also quite one note, and like yeah, they didn't change much, and they yeah didn't, I feel like that about Kingo, yeah like they didn't he change was just the comedy, and they didn't like, really have much growth, and he like um Druig is a source of conflict internally externally, um he's a source of like. Like mo- a moral compass for the audience, his relationship with Macari is brilliant. Like as I said before, two yeah. of my favorite characters. Yeah, and I think he is consistently strong in every film he's been in, and he made that role his own. And I really want to see more of him in the future, um, and hopefully we do. So yeah, I- I'm surprisingly I'm not mentioning like I've mentioned this character once I think for the whole review, um, <laughs> but having a look through everyone cast and crew. Uh, he he stands out really as as a strong performance. Um, yeah, so, I yeah. agree. He was Druig was definitely one of my uh, favorite Eternals. Like I say, for me it was Thena, Gilgamesh, Druig, yeah. and uh, Makari uh, in no particular order. Yeah. I also one of the touches that and I mentioned this briefly after we saw it. One of the things that I really liked about Eternals it's just a small touch is that the Eternals. Obviously, the names of the Eternals are Icarus and Athena, Athena or Athena, and Gilgamesh are inspired by historical figures like Gilgamesh and Athena and Icarus. Uh, and in the film, they kind of flip that on its head and say, like, the those legends are named after the Eternals. Like, Gilgamesh is one of the Eternals, and Sprite tells stories, and she tells the epic of Gilgamesh. And yeah. the the famous story, the epic of Gilgamesh, comes from Gilgamesh the Eternals, and the fable about Icarus flying too close to the sun comes from Icarus, the Eternal. And, you know, yeah. Athena, the goddess of war, is Thena. Uh, 
one of the Eternals, which I, I thought that was a really nice touch. I don't know if that's in the comics or if that's something that Marvel Studios has brought, but I really, really liked it. Yeah, so, one, yeah. aspect we did, one aspect as well, just before we close out, one aspect we didn't yeah. even mention as well, which I thought um, was kind of underutilised, actually, and maybe a bit overshadowed by the somewhat inconsistent VFX was the costume design. I thought the costume design was really, really good. Yes. I really liked the Eternals costumes, I, and they weren't used enough. <laughs> they weren't used absolutely enough. Absolutely, yes. I I thought that as I <clears throat> excuse me I thought that as I was watching actually because you know we we always talk about Marvel and CGI and overusing CGI and a lot of the costumes in Marvel are CGI like they just put the actors in mocap suits like Spider Man's suits are mocap the Avengers suits in Endgame were mocap Iron Man's suit is digital a lot of yeah. the costumes are all digital. With the Eternals, it was nice to see a team of people all wearing, like, coordinated outfits. And they were real. Like, I could see the fabric moving. (laughs) And that that was just nice. And they were really well designed as well. And they were nice. And I liked it. Definitely the the costume costume team. Yes, the costume team did a great job in this. Right. Um, It's nearly two hours. Pardon? So it's nearly been two hours. Oh, God, it has, hasn't it? Right, well, we better wrap it up then. That wraps up our review of, of uh, Eternals. Uh, next week, Sam and I, uh, Sam's back, and Sam and I are going to be doing Spencer, Pablo Lorraine Spencer, and something else, but um, we don't really know yet, but Spencer and something else, which I'm very excited to talk about. Um, but that's it for this week. Thank you for coming on, JL, and filling in. No worries at all. Uh, it's been fun. You can, it has, it's been fun. You can follow you on Twitter at ByJordanLuke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at LewisJWR. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at NowShowingPod. If you want to get in contact with the podcast, just DM us on Twitter. Sam always tells you to email us at NowShowingPod <laughs> at gmail.com But why would you email us when you can just DM us on Twitter? No idea why. Uh, you can. All, we are proud to be part of the Music City Driving Network. Uh, they have a whole host. They have a slew of podcasts. A slew. <laughs> about uh they have a slew of podcasts about a slew of things such as music and sports and films uh much like ours uh, if you want to support the podcast the best way to do so is to give us a five star rating on apple podcasts uh and i think that's everything i think i've remembered everything i didn't remember the last bit Maybe, last yeah. time, but next week as well you... yeah next week as well might be uh king richard or ghostbusters because they're both out next week that is true, King Richard as well, and Ghostbusters. So we might do King Richard, Ghostbusters, and Spencer. But yeah, Ooh, nice. thank you. Thank yeah. you for coming on, JL. Thank you for yeah. listening, and we'll see you, you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.